Hello and welcome to the Welsh Rugby Podcast. Before we begin, just a massive thank you to however you are listening to this. We really do appreciate your support. We record the podcast every Monday and if you do enjoy it, make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode. Why not drop us a review while you're there? Welcome to the Welsh Rugby Podcast. I'm your host, Ben James, and I'm joined by Simon Thomas and Mark Orders this morning. Wales are two from two in the Six Nations. They beat Scotland 25-24 on the weekend. Um, Boys, we're on for a triple crown here. Who would have thought it? It's weird, isn't it? It's been a really, really strange one. Um, If Wales had lost both of those two games, you'd look back on it and say, well, you know, wouldn't have been a, a... Daylight robbery could have gone either way, both games. Both games very tight. Both games, Wills clinging on at the end against 14. You can look at all the stats, but I guess the only real stat that counts is two victories. And um, yeah, pleased for Wayne Pivak and his coaching team because they've been under a lot of pressure, taking a lot of flack. And uh, in particular, in that Scotland game, he made some bold decisions, particularly the changes at halfback, which I'm sure we'll come on to. So, yeah, didn't expect it, but very happy it had been delighted to have got both score predictions wrong. I think I was the only one who went for a win this weekend. <laughs> oh, oh, pat yourself on the back, Ben. <laughs> I, I went for a margin of two points, so I was one out. Oh, crikey. You well, need you, to sharpen you, up. Your score was remarkably close, Mark, just the wrong way around. <laughs> it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a typo. <laughs> <laughs> you can blame that on the editors. Um, yeah, exactly. So yeah, you know, Wales two from two. Um, they've only they've only been two from two five times in the entire Six Nations. Four of those times they've won a Grand Slam, and the other time it went to the final weekend in two thousand and nine. So you know, it's, it's not something to be sniffed at. Even though I, I I get the impression, sort of looking on social media, that a few a few are that impressed with this Wales team so far. Uh, they, they, you know, they're a work in progress. They're developing. Uh, let's be honest. At the outset of the tournament, few people would have said that they they would win the first two games. I think they've shown real character. Uh, they're not winning enough possession. Far from it. I think at the moment, they they're just getting by on thirty five percent of the possession. Um, they they've ridden their luck, but as I say, uh, Pivot made some great selection or rather changes bold calls as Simon said during that game which did change the pattern of the match obviously helped by Scotland having a man sent off but um yeah you know I I I, I mean I I accepted that you know the, the performances haven't been perfect but I've been really impressed with the character I think do you think that the the red card this week affected the game more than the red card last week. And that, that seems strange to say, because obviously the red card for, for Ireland came after 15-odd minutes. But for me, it felt like the Scotland red card threw them more than it threw Ireland. Well, there was a pivotal period, wasn't there? Because there was a section of the game where Scotland were really pressing hard on the Welsh line. Um, I think they were 17-13 at, at the time, or maybe 17-8. It was you know early in the second half, hammering away. And 
I think it was um, Cummings and George Graham were involved going for the line, and it was just and it ended up at the spot of blocking with uh, Louis Rissanek quite Louis Rissanek quite cutely uh, going for the blocker. Whether he knew he was the blocker, I'm not sure. But anyway, it ended up with with Scotland not scoring there, and they looked absolutely nailed on to score a try. And then just a few minutes later, you have the sending off, so that, which was followed by the Wynn Jones try. So in that kind of, I don't know, five, six minute period, you had, you had really a 14 point turnaround, um, the centre of which was this the sending off. So that whole section was important. And then clearly, you know, in terms of Wales winning the game, that great final try from Lurie Sanep, you know, you're up against 14 men, a little bit more space because, I mean, Scotland had juggled it around a bit in terms of the makeup of their side. Um, so inevitably, if, when you're playing against 14, I think it does make sense to try and stretch the opposition. You saw it against Ireland, where it had much less impact because we didn't have the ball. Wales didn't have the ball at all. So, you know, Ireland can still go through their sort of pick-and-go, pick-and-go retaining possession. When the 14-man does come into play, it's when you've got possession. You're up against what is inevitably a stretched one-short defence Wales exploited that. So I think, yeah, you're probably right. It probably had a bigger bearing to a large extent because Wales had a little bit more ball because their line-out worked. Exactly. I think that's one of the, the the big positives. You know, we talked about it after the Island game when the line-out worked. It, it looked effective, but it just didn't work that often. Um, well, they went to bank. They went bank a ball, Mark. Didn't they? F- first throw of the line-out, wasn't it? They went long. Ken Owens threw long to, Ke- uh, to Tipperick. Overthrew him into the arms of Hamish Watson. Ken, old head, Adam Beard, young head, together, line-out caller and hooker, said, we've got to sort this, bankable, front. The first half, they went front, time and again, Tipperick, um, Beard, Wainwright, all popping up the front, getting consistency, getting ball. It's not, it's not the best attacking ball, but it's better than no ball. And all of a sudden, you could just see the line-out confidence restoring. And it's telling that Lucy Summit's first try and Liam Williams' try, both originated from line-outs. Little, rum, little rumble on for the first one, then out. Second try, a big rumble forward, out again. So it just shows you, give Wales a line-out, they can score tries. It makes a huge difference. Yeah, I, I think as well that uh, consistency in selection is important because I was reading uh, your piece, actually, Simon, with uh, Adam Beard. Last week, and, and he was saying that in the previous four games, they'd had four different hookers, I think. they'd uh, I counted as well, four different second-row parents. Nine uh, so, targets, Mark. Nine line-out targets. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so, you know, when, when you've got Ken Owens, Adam Beard, Justin Tipperick, these guys playing together for the second week running, it did help the situation. And I thought they were all good, those three. And yeah, the lineup worked, and uh, I say we'll, we'll still didn't win enough possession overall, um, but uh, they got the job done. I think as well, people are overlooking that Wales had really, really bad injury problems. Um, they've had, they've been stretched in the centre, uh, three flankers ruled out in in a week, pretty much, um, leading into the Scotland game. So I. I I go back. I think I think they they've shown a bit of spirit, and um, uh, they'll go into that England game. I watched England at the weekend, and they they weren't anything special. And so Wales will go into that, and they will they will be quietly confident, um, cautiously optimistic, perhaps. 
It's an interesting one, isn't it? Because it's a bit like the 2015 World Cup where the ravages of injuries have really happened in the back division. You know, you've lost a succession of players there for various reasons. In the pack, although the number six jersey has been pretty cursed with Lydiat, Navidi, McLeod all going down, the rest of the pack, thankfully, has managed to stay pretty injury-free. Your front five has been unaffected. Your seven and eight, Tipperick and Falato, who have had excellent tournaments so far, they're unaffected. So the pack hasn't been too impacted. Now, the interesting thing for me would be come the England game, what happens to number six? If Navidi is fit, does he come back? Because Wainwright give a good account of himself and does offer that other line-out option, doesn't he, Mark? What would you do there at six? Oh, if Navidi is fit, he plays, surely. He's a, he, he's a cut above. He's, he's a breakdown presence. He's selfless. I think he's a terrific player. And um, so he, he's, he's a really gritty defender as well. So if Davidi is fit, he plays, I mean, as long as he's okay. Um, and uh, I thought James both made an impact when he came on. Um, Wainwright was okay for me. He was, uh, he, he was a willing worker. He missed a few tackles. Uh, that's going to be a borderline call then if Davidi's absent um, between Botham and Wainwright. Um, I say, let, let's fingers crossed that uh, Josh Navidi will be okay. The, the interesting thing for me, Ben, just but I was looking at um, some of the feedback from the Scotland-England game in terms of what Scotland's approach was and what was their key to beating England. Uh, essentially, I think they took the view that England have got a limited number of big ball carriers. And so much over the last five or six years, so much of England's go forward has revolved around Billy Vunapola. And he's probably not quite at his at his best at the moment. So you've really got Vanapola and then Ellis Genge, if he starts, are two big ball carriers for them. And Scotland really targeted, though, um, you know, Vanapola in particular, Genge as well. And I, I, when I think back to when Wales beat England in 2019, touching on what Mark has written there about Rosa, uh, raised about uh, Josh Navidi, Navidi has done a big job in the past of targeting Billy Vanapola, of, you know, having him in his sights, having that number eight in his sights all day long, just knocking him down. So, I mean, I, I suppose Vunapolo will probably keep his... I, I noticed there were a couple of calls. I think I think it was Clive Woodward saying that, you know, Vunapolo's place is a threat now. And, but you'd think he would probably start. And and if so, I think Navidi would have a big have a big uh, job again of, of knocking him down at source. Because if you stop Vinny, Billy Vunapolo when he's on form you do reduce England's attacking threat. Oh, definitely. I think if Navidi's out, I I can see Pivak going both them over Wainwright, simply because he went McLeod over Wainwright last week initially. I just wonder about the line-out. Potentially, yeah. I'm just i not convinced that Wainwright, Faletau and Tiprick has the best back row balance. I think that that Pivak sees Wainwright as being from a sort of similar style to Faletau. I'm not convinced he thinks they can both play in the same back row, hence why he sees Wainwright as an eight. It was interesting. I thought Wainwright, more than I've seen him in recent games, was really trying hard to make an impact over the ball. Yeah. Do you notice that? He was, he was really trying, but he's, he's not quite the right shape for it, is he? And he admits himself he's not the best, but he really did. I thought he put in a big effort in, um, but I think you're right. Um, I ju- you just worry a little bit about Josh Navidi, don't you? I mean, um, it was described as a neck injury. Given the concussion, he was out for four months with it. Any kind of blow around the neck, head area, you worry about. Fingers firmly crossed more than anything that Josh is okay. 
Um, Mark says if he is ruled a game, sure he starts. If he isn't, then it's a big call at six. I'm Sam Walton. You're listening to the Welsh Rugby Podcast. Another point that's quite interesting, we're talking about the lack of possession Wales have had, but I think the, the pleasing thing for me in this tournament, um, if, you, if you look at Test Rugby, the one statistic that usually determines who's going to win matches is the red zone efficiency. Now, Wales have spent just two minutes and 33 seconds in the opposition 22, and they've scored six tries. Ireland spent nearly four times as much of that in, in, in the 22 in Cardiff alone. Wales in this tournament, for all you can say about luck, they've been very clinical when they've got the possession. You, you don't, you don't, for me, you can't be lucky and go to Murrayfield and score four tries. It helps if you've got someone to finish like Lewis Reesamin, doesn't it? Exactly. <laughs> what do you think, Mark? I mean, Wales, uh, after all the criticism that Wales have had of attack over recent years, are actually looking quite, when they get the ball in the opposition territory, they look dangerous, don't they? Well, they, they do. I mean, um, Ben's right, though, about uh, Ireland sort of going through the phases. It's a bit like Arsenal and football, uh, passing the ball and early on in the season, they weren't scoring many goals. Um, but yeah, you know, at the end of the day, Wales have, uh, have unearthed a player who is uh, who, who looks razor sharp and um, he just looks as if he was put on this earth to score tries. He, he is um, he is a devastating finisher. He's not the finished article. We can all see that. There are areas, big scope for him to improve his defensive game. But uh, wow, you know, he can um, he can finish. And as soon as he got that ball near halfway, you felt a try was on. He just picked up speed effortlessly. It was a kind of uh, Rolls Royce acceleration and. And then the kick over the top, and he, he didn't actually seem to be going flat out, and yet he he was he he was still too quick for Stuart Hogg and Duan van der Merwe. He was uh, yeah something special. It was great to see, and he's going to be uh, a top player. You know, if he uh, fulfills his potential, he's he's only a young lad, and of course you know all these pats on the back and all the praise that he was receiving over the weekend. Um, it's going to be difficult for him to keep his feet on the ground, but he seems, he seems, I saw an interview with him on uh, the BBC on Saturday. He seemed quite a mature lad and quite grounded. So, yeah, he certainly added something to the world side. Yeah, he's a product of his family, Mark. I spoke to his brother, Taylor, we know a little bit because um, they're, um, Taylor plays for Landeff, um, my club in Cardiff, and um, spoke to Taylor briefly and, um, to, to Lewis's dad, Joey, and you can imagine they're absolutely so proud of everything he's doing. I once, uh, a little story, I once was touch judge uh, when uh, Lewis Rieslamit was playing for Landaf under 11s or under 10s. And put it this way, I could not keep up with him then. I mean, I'm, I've never been the sharpest, never been the quickest, but he scorched the earth. I remember the one year, I remember just one of the guys at the club saying, you've got to come and see this kid play and, I think he got the Landaff side to the Cardiff Blues final on, not single-handedly, but he was quite he was quite significant in it. So it's nice then, isn't it? When you see a kid at a young age who everyone says, yeah, he's got something, he's special. And it's great to see them come through, isn't it? You know, and it was interesting. Gareth Thomas was talking yesterday on the ITV coverage of the Ireland-France game. 
and um, he was eulogising as everyone has about Lewis. And um, what he said was like, the, he's and you touched on there, Mark. He's got a maturity. He's only just turned twenty, but he's got a cool head. I mean, the, to weigh that situation up, um, nicely put into a little space by Willis Hallahollow. Hallahollow did really well, actually. Just drew Van der Merwe a little bit, which gave Rhys Summit a, a bit of room outside. Now, Van der Merwe is quick, and he just scorched away from him, put the afterburners on, chips over the top, and as you say, left um, Hogg, and I think it was Chris Harris, just left them for dead. You could see in Hogg's face, you know, he just knew. I'm not, it, there's no point to this. He, he, some player, sometimes, I always remember Kevin Keegan when he finished playing football. He said... Um, it was when Mark Lawrence and out sprinted him for a ball and he just thought, that's it. It's gone now. Time to call it a day. And, you know, sometimes you're up against players. You just know they've gone. And they, it's like Anthony Watson when he intercepted against Italy. The Italian guy said, oh, no, it's not point, is it? And Rieslan is like that. But as you say, just looks like he's jogging. It's, it, I suppose he's a bit of Usain Bolt thing because he looks like he's jogging, doesn't he? But he, he's pretty a bit quicker than everybody else. It's just... Yeah, it's just great to see. And um, it was interesting, though, wasn't it? Pivak still pointed out a couple of issues he needs to work on. So, uh, he, you know, he's, uh, I think, trying to keep his feet on the ground. And I think Lewis will keep his feet on the ground because he's got a good background. He's got a good head and young shoulders. No, there was that. Yeah. There was uh, just, Ben, there was just that technical skill as well, you know, the, the ability to, well, the vision as well, to sense that the kick over the top would do the trick. And then there was this, this, this skill really to actually maintain full throttle while putting that kick in. And that takes some doing. And uh, and he was able to sort of outgas Stuart Hogg, who well, I was looking on the internet the other day. He's eleven point six seconds over hundred meters, you know. So you know that 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 was brilliant, and it'll go down as as one of the great Welsh tries without exaggeration. Absolutely. And I suppose he's, he's in a good environment, isn't he, to, to keep himself grounded? Because if you I think Alan Wynne Jones pointed uh, after the match to the sort of the other players in, in that sort of back three core, and you've got someone like George North who, who has very much been there and done it. He's now the, the centurion, he's the statesman of, of the back three. But, you know, his, his rise was just as meteoric as uh, Lewis's 11 years ago. There's a couple of things here, aren't there? I mean, with Lewis. Um... He's in a contingent of players who now go back to England. Um, you're talking Faletau, Dan Bigger, um, Will Rowland, um, Sheedy, all players with important roles to play against England. So the first thing is that Wayne Pivak will have his fingers very firmly crossed this week. I mean, we, we don't know how many of those will play for their English clubs, but they've gone back, so they missed the preparation time. Wayne Pivak obviously had been hoping because of the COVID situation there might be a change and they might be allowed to stay, but you know, PRL policy is pretty clear. Um, the release is just, you know, whatever World Rugby says, the statutory release is what you get. The players therefore go back. Again, the politics of it, but the WRU obviously don't, you know, don't pay for access, whereas the RFU pay for access to clubs. So it'd be difficult for the English clubs to justify demanding payments from the RFU if given players to play to Wales for free. So that's yeah. that's the scenario, so that's going to be an anxious wait on that. Um, and the other thing, which Pivak's going to have to give a lot of thought to, is Pack's pretty clear. Just that issue at six, we should talk about. But you look at the the Welsh backline; 
it's almost impossible to say anyone is nailed on. I mean, you'd say Louis Rees Summit, but then Pivac did point to, you know, a few technical defensive issues, things like that. I mean, surely he will start. But you look at the rest of the back line, it could be anything, couldn't it? We don't know what's going to happen at half-backs. We don't know what's going to happen in the centre. Half-penny's injury situation after the bang he took in a collision with Darcy Graham. We don't know what the situation is there. Um, hopefully there's no sighting for Liam Williams. A few people have raised that issue after the collision he had with James Lang, wasn't it? I didn't think that was a red card offence myself, so I think you should be okay there. But Mark, what, what on earth is the back line going to look like against England? Well, the first thing to say is they've got to have a proven test-quality goal kicker. And whether that's Lee Halfpenny or Dan Bigger, you need to have one of those guys playing, I think. You can't um, go just Rashidi, you don't think? Well, look, I mean, he's kicked well for Bristol in the past. Um, it's, it's a slightly different pressure situation when, when you're kicking for Wales uh, in, a, in a triple crown match. So uh, Lee is is arguably the greatest goal kicker in the world. Bigger's not far behind. Um, so I think you need to have one of those guys in the team at this juncture. Um if Lee is ruled out, then I, I would I would go with Dan Bigger at 10, um, simply because he's a great goal kicker. He's got fast experience. Wales didn't ignite uh, when he was on the pitch, and Gareth Davis was on the pitch on Saturday. Um, and that is a problem. There's absolutely no doubt about it. But uh, for Northampton, he produces regularly. And... Uh, I, I watched Northampton play the other week and he, he was the best player on the pitch and other players were sort of uh, dancing around him, dancing to his tune. And um, so I, I would, if Lee is ruled out, Lee Halfpenny, I would play bigger. It does become a, a little bit of a different equation if Lee Halfpenny is fit. Well, it becomes um, complicated then, Mark. It becomes it very does. complicated it because it if does. you say Halfpenny starts at 15, oh. which enables you to go Sheedy oh. maybe at 10 with more assurity in terms of the goal kicking, then what do you do? Because you've got Josh Adams returning. So you've got Liam, you've got Josh Adams, Liam Williams and George North and Lee Halfpenny. Yeah, now, well, you if... Fit, you can't fit all of those in. No, you can't. For me, um, Lewis Rees-Samit, starts but as you say Wayne Pivot did highlight a couple of defensive issues that he needs to tidy up I think he starts after a performance like that he's a game breaker he could change a game um, I, I think the next cab off the rank would be Liam Williams and um, you know but I, I, I think with Lee Halfpenny I think he's had a history of concussions I would be not knowing the extent of his bump uh, on Saturday, it wouldn't surprise me at all if Lee Halfpenny were ruled out. But if he uh, isn't, and if he's available and plays at 15, who misses out from Liam Williams and Adams and Rhys Samet and George North? Not George North plays 13. Right. Uh, Wales, Wales like George North at 13. Even they if Jonathan him. Davis is available? Yeah, I think he's short of rugby, Jonathan. And uh, we all know he's, he's he's a top, top player. He's short of rugby at the moment. He, he, he hasn't shown great form. And that's that's no doubt down to the fact that uh, it's been such a stop-start season and time for him. So for me, uh, George North would start at 13. And then out of those three wingers, Reece Sammet, Liam Williams and Josh Adams, if Halfpenny plays 15, and your selector, who misses out? Yeah, it would be Josh Adams at this point. Who would have thought I mean, that, eh? 
For me, at this point, at this point, I mean, Wayne Pivot might not agree, but that would be my take on it. Interesting. What would you do then? Is is the fact Adams misses out because you feel the other players uh, are playing better or or because you feel it's not a good message to parachute him straight into the side having missed the first two games because it feels feels like Wales are in a position now where they don't have to like with Foxy they don't have to bring players straight back into the start in 15 there's ample competition there yeah I think Josh Adams yeah we all know he's a good player I mean he scored seven tries in the World Cup he was the top scorer Um, he's a gutsy player as well he came up against Fiji and Joshua Twistover who uh, was absolutely on fire that day. And he scored a hat-trick of tries, I think. Um, but Josh Adams stuck in there and he scored tries himself. Might have been a hat-trick himself. And uh, he showed real character. And, um, and so uh, it's 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 partly because, for me, it's partly because he hasn't played that much rugby of late. Um, but I just think that Liam Williams is a test lion and it was an absolute inspiration when he's on form. And Lewis Rees-Samet uh, is a game-breaker who, who can just win matches through through his skill and, and pace. Mark, so, yeah. It, 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 I was going to say, Pivak, if, he, if Pivak starts again with Bigger, which is, you know, conceivable because he's been the kind of go-to starter and might feel he wants his, his experience starting against England. If he does that, would you still have half-penny at full-back? Um, well, that that is that is a difficult one. That is a difficult one. Um, Lee didn't have his greatest game uh, on, but you know everybody has in different games. Um, I, I'd be I I'd be tempted to use Liam um, at full back. Yeah, I'd be tempted to. That, what do you that think? Would be my will what, selection. What do you think Pivak will do at ten? I, I think he'll. he'll well, it does hinge on it does hinge on Lee Halfpenny. I think he'd play bigger. Um, he's got that experience, the triple crown game. He does. He, he seems to like Sheedy Mind, and uh, Sheedy did make an impact for sure. Um, you know, he, he's, he's he's definitely a highly capable player. Um, I, I think I think that he will go with biggest experience. I mean, the really bold thing to do is to almost go back to England, Wales, 1988, just and, and, and take a, a gamble without a recognised goal kicker. Well, no, well, it's not as unfair on Callum Sheedy, but without an experienced test goal kicker. So you could go Kieran Hardy, Callum Sheedy, Halla Hollow and North in the centre, Lewis Rees, Samit Adams on the wing, Liam Williams at fullback. Now, that's the really bold selection, isn't it? Do, it's the Hollywood collection. Would it get an Oscar, though? Uh, look, yeah, yeah, I, I'm only thinking what Wayne Pivot will do. And uh, I think there's a triple crown to be played for. So it's a chance to make a little bit of history. And um, I think, yeah, I think he will go for experience. I think um, I think he'll put, he'll put North of 13. Um, contradicting that, if Johnny Williams is fit, I think he'd probably go with Johnny Williams. Yeah, I think uh, he will. I mean, I, I think Al Hollow had a good debut, but I mm. mean, Johnny Williams, he likes him, he likes what he's brought. Um, he gives that focal point in the target. 
I mean, I, th- I thought Willis was excellent. You know, he, what I really liked about him was from the moment he came on, he, you could, it was just a smile on his face. You could see, you know, he's, it's been a tough year for him with the injuries and, you know, he's taken offence at some of the things that have been said on social media, understandably. But he, he was so pleased to be out there. And he was so vocal, wasn't he? You know, you just watch that period when Wales were on their own line. He was like talking, marshalling players around him. You kind of forget this is a really experienced player, a guy who played in the Super Rugby final five years ago. You know, he's got a lot of miles on the clock, a lot of experience, a lot of rugby knowledge, and he brought it to, to, to the bear. And in particular, the way that he made that run for Lewis Reece Summit's second try was really clever. It was actually, if you watch it, Adam Beard gave the ball out of the back. It was a lovely disguised run from Hallow. He comes across the field at an angle. And you could see the Scottish defenders, Van der Merwe in particular, standing off. They know from, you know, I've seen him with Cardiff. He, he's hard to read, isn't he? You don't really know what he's going to do. And he kind of drew Van der Merwe in, in a piece of string, brought him in and then fired the pass out to Reece you know, it wasn't spectacular, Mark, but it just showed a guy who knows what he's doing with a rugby ball in his hands, didn't it? I was, I was impressed with him. Um, I just thought he came on and it was as if to the man of born, really. He um, And he, he showed, uh, I mean, I was doing the, the match rating, so you're like, like yourself, you know, doing the analysis. And so you, you got your head down for much of the game, but you, you sort of, uh, I looked up um, when, they created Liam Williams' try. And all of a sudden, you had this guy with number 23 on his back um, actually being quite creative. And uh, Wales hadn't been that creative up until that point. And uh, uh, Pat in the back, Dashidi as well, because he put in that lovely pass alongside Hala Hollow. But there was also the Hala Hollow turnover. And um, I was very impressed with him. But I, I think that, um, I, I think... Wayne Pivot will look at that and he'll he'll think, well, look, Crikey, this guy can make an impact off the bench. And um, he knows that that will work. He knows Callum Sheedy can make an impact off the bench, which is why I think that uh, that he'll he'll potentially go go for those two guys among his replacements. That that Liam Williams try, Mark and Ben, that was that was extraordinary. Because if you look at it, how, um, Sheedy came on in the 49th minute. The try was in the 51st. So, so he'd been on the field two minutes with Hala Hollow. That was their first interaction. Lord knows how many minutes they've had in the training field together in the build-up because Hala Hollow only came in on Wednesday or Thursday. They probably run, I don't know, half a dozen runs. To pull that move off, where Hollow Hollow goes to first receiver off, off a long pass from Hardy, who also wasn't a starter, takes it. Sheedy loops around the back of him. Nice hands from Hollow Hollow. Beautiful pop pass from Sheedy. Resam it into a hole. You know, clearly, if they can do that after just a couple of days together, it does make you think what they could do after a couple of weeks. And it's exciting, that backline option. You know, it's um, it's it's a nice headache for Wayne Pivak to have all of this, isn't it? It is. We haven't asked you. Uh, who do you think will? Who, who, a would you start at half back, and uh, who do you think Pivak will pick? I watched a lot of Callum Sheedy over the years, right? And that wasn't a Callum Sheedy goal kicking performance. You know, he's better than that. I mean, those two pulled hooked conversions. He'll be disappointed with that. I think if you're taking a view that Callum is going to be the number ten moving forward then there has to come a point where you say, well, you back him to take goal kicks and just work at it and work at it with Neil Jenkins. 
part of me, the romantic part of me, Mark, would really like to see that backline which I mentioned to you, which was Hardy, Sheedy, Hallahollow, North, Adams, Liam Williams, and Reese Samet. I mean, it's, it's just so exciting. Will it will that happen? I don't think so. I think I think you were right. I think he will start with bigger at ten. And I think he will start with Johnny Williams at twelve. And I, I also probably think Halfpenny might struggle a little bit to get back. So I think Bigger will start at ten. Yeah, that's totally feasible. I suppose the other thing you've got to weigh up, as we mentioned before, Wales aren't having much possession, so you're you're, you're almost picking a backline as much on their defensive work uh, as the attacking work. And I, I think our colleague Matt Southcombe said a couple of times that Wales can't defend their way to a championship. Um, I'd argue that they have on quite a few occasions in in the last 10 or so years. And also, is this perhaps a sign of Wayne Pivak? I know it's not been perfect, but is this a sign of Wayne Pivak identifying where Test Rugby is at the minute? And often, we're better off without the ball and we'll just strike and take opportunities. I thought against Ireland, Wales looked comfortable without ball. Yeah, I mean, that's. I suppose if you look at the season as a whole, the improvement in the defence has been a big, big factor. And you've got to take your hat off to Gethin Jenkins. I mean, as I said to you the week, he spoke so well last week when he was just giving his thoughts on his role and, you know, Wills' kind of issues they needed to address and how he viewed rugby and stats and tackles and give that great line about making 200-plus tackles isn't a good thing. It shows you something's not working elsewhere. Well, they didn't make 200-plus on the weekend, but they did make, I think, 180 odds. There's quite a few. And there was um, some heroic rear guards. And there are still things to work on defensively. Um, if you look at it, two tries were conceded through chips over the top, one short chip, one one long kick, a little bit exposed there. So there's, there's some, perhaps maybe some positional issues to address. Um, and then obviously the hog try that was disappointing um, that was analysed quite well on television I thought where they, they pointed out that Sheedy wasn't actually marking anyone the way they lined up and while you can sort of we talked about I talked about the, how well constructed the Liam Williams try was you can probably do that off a few sessions you know in terms of a couple of moves defensive organisation with new people that, that takes a while doesn't it it was just Sheedy was in a bit tight and you know, Owen Watkins a good defender. He got done, didn't he? It happens in life, Mark, doesn't it? Owen won't miss many tackles like that. And he did redeem himself right at the end of the tap tackle, didn't he? I, he did. And I, I think he's a really good player. And um, is uh, ironically, I, I think his defence is excellent. And it showed that, you know, we're talking there, the, the 81st, 82nd minute and his lungs must have been absolutely burning. And yet he got back to put in that fantastic tap tackle. And uh, he has got this rip technique as well. And to be honest, I think that Wales hadn't seen the best of him as an attacking force as well. Um, I think he's a really good player. And um, yeah, it was it was unfortunate he slipped off tackles. Uh, but you can look at those three tries. And the three tries were soft tries for Wales to concede, really. And uh Getting Jenkins presumably won't be happy about that at all. And uh, while they put it in close on 200 tackles, etc., and 230, 40 tackles against Ireland, you know, I'd say he'll be a little bit annoyed to concede those tries. But there is absolutely no shortage of will and effort um, led in that defensive structure, led by Tipperick and, um, and Um 
Well, I thought what excellent again. And um, you, you could see as well, the player was really not come from nowhere, but but really come into the Lions wreck in his wing Jones. Jones. He's outstanding. Um, I thought he was uh, he was excellent again. And um, he's carrying, you know, we, we're talking a dozen carries and making ground and then just non-stop effort in defence. And he stayed on for 77 minutes at the weekend. And, you know, he, he was up against Sander Ferguson, WP Nell. And, OK, he, he conceded a, a penalty, which he wouldn't have wanted to against Nell at the end, but he forced two out of Ferguson. I, I think he's been, uh, you know, a quiet revelation. Jim Hamilton, the former Scotland uh, second row, tweeted at the weekend that he was now the number one, number one for the Lions, which is, you know, a strong comment because there's a lot of quality players there. When you look at Healy and you look at um, Marco Vunapola, um, when you look at, um, you know, Sutherland and Scotland, some good loose heads around. But Win Jones, I mean, I've done a team of the tournament of the first two rounds off camera. Mark and I have disagreed in a couple of positions. Um, but uh, one person I think we both agree on in that team of the tournament so far is Win Jones. He's been outstanding. He's probably Wales's most effective player over the ball as well. He's got a real ability there. And he seems to pick it in really crucial moments. You know, he's got that great shape for getting over the ball, hasn't he? And yeah, he's um, the boy called Sausage is uh, having a banger of a tournament. Oh, <laughs> that's one I prepared earlier. <laughs> just, um, I just want to make a point going quickly back to the defence. I think you saw Wales learn from their mistakes in the first half. I think against Ireland, they were able to defend almost quite passively. I think what we're seeing from Gethin at the minute isn't quite a short, it's not a Sean Edwards blitz by any stretch of the imagination. And I think against Ireland, that work has... You, you can largely let that island backline play in front of you. And, and the way that they're set up to play, they're not going to cause you many problems. You know, they think how much possession they had and it took them about half an hour to, to really make a try scoring opportunity in Cardiff. And that was from a tipric mistake in the line. Think against Scotland, if, you, if you're that passive, they get the ball out wide, they kick it, and then suddenly you're your defence is getting pulled around. But I thought Wales defended a bit more aggressively in the second half, almost too aggressively towards the end. There was four players around Finn Russell when he managed to get that miracle offload the way to uh, Van der Merwe in the 83rd minute. Scotland are a dangerous team. You know, they are going to score tries at this championship. You know, when you've got a conjurer like Finn Russell, if you look at it, I mean, it's worked for... Um, the first try, the, the, the root of that, where he, he drew two men in and gave the one-handed offload to Johnny Gray, which really breached the, the Welsh defence and put them in a, in a bit of defensive disarray. I mean, and then at the end, I mean, the, 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 the miracle pass out of the side with half of Wales on top of him. I mean, it, it was a pass that very nearly won the game because I watched that back. If Watkin hadn't tapped Van der Merwe, you know, Rhys-Sam, it was in an awful situation because it's the worst kind of position to be in when you're coming across and you've got 20 yards of space either yeah. side of you. I think you he slipped. Be... I think he, he slipped. That's the thing. He, yeah. he slipped luckily after. after. Yeah. So you look at that, that was a really difficult defensive situation for Lewis and you could have, you could have seen Random Merver coming inside there and scoring. So that really was a yeah, that, that wasn't just a try saving. That was a match-winning moment from Owen Watkin. You know, 
And even if he doesn't keep his place, you know, he, he can look back on that moment with pride for years to come. It was crucial. And that's so, that's what Sean Edwards always talks about, isn't it? It was it was about never give up, never give up, never, never give up, and defenses win championships. And in the last two weeks, Piprick makes a ridiculous tackle against Ireland when the clock's gone red. Owen Watkins makes a ridiculous tackle when the clock's gone red against Scotland. Yeah, I mean that that track back tackle by by Tipperick was just extraordinary, you know, and took the lungs to do that. You're right, what you said. There's no shortage of effort at all. Um, and it's going to be an interesting two weeks now. I mean, because there's a lot of um, there's a lot of injury related issues, particularly in the back line. We, we wait to see what's going to happen there. Um, and of course, as I said at the start, there is this worry about the English contingent and. It's always the worst weekend for the Wales coach. This isn't a, you can't do anything. All you can do is just sit there and watch those Gallagher Premiership matches and keep your fingers firmly crossed. In terms of England, we'll touch on them very quickly now at the end of the pod. Do, do you fear them? To, to me, it looks like they are in a similar position to 2018, where I think Eddie's trying to change the way they play. And there's going to be a few bumps in the road because of that. Obviously, they lost five. I think they lost five in the bounce in 2018. But then, on the back of it, they discovered the kicking game that got them to the World Cup final. I think they're in a similar sort of area now, where I think he's realised he needs to change things up a little bit. Well, I watched the game on um, uh, on Saturday. Italy played uh, below in the scoreline. Italy had had a go at them, and and they weren't that bad. And um, I thought England. Um, Watson was outstanding in the back three. Um, May scored a dubious try. I thought the uh, Owen Farrell, uh, George Ford access didn't particularly work. You know, it, it wasn't the most creative from England uh, around that area. But uh, I say, you know, they, they've got a, a big lumbering set forwards, and they'll always be always be difficult to to play against because of their ball winning. Capability. I'm saying that Scotland, Scotland contradicting myself. Scotland got on top of them uh, forward as well. So I, I think, look, it's. Uh, I, I think Wales will qu- quietly uh, fancy their chances. They will need to increase their ball w- winning uh, capability. But um, you know, it's in familiar surroundings in Cardiff. I know there won't be a crowd there, which is a big shame for Wales. Um, but uh, I, I think that they can be. Um, yeah quietly optimistic about their prospects. It's interesting for me, Mark, to see what Eddie Jones now does in team selection because he's used a lot of players already, hasn't he? He's looked at his options. I mean, I would guess you would probably go back to the tried and trusters. You'd see a situation where Jamie George comes probably to start at hooker. Um, I think I mean, Sinclair did well at the weekend, I thought. I think he'll start at tight end, probably with maybe Mako at loose heads. I mean, you go for the big experience there. Um, interesting to see what they do in second row, because Johnny Hill's played a bit there, hasn't he? I mean, and as I said, Vunapola, there's a question mark. I do think the player who they're missing at the moment is, is um, Sam Underhill. I think um, when, he, when he and Curry play together, it's such a great double act. Curry was very good at the weekend, but I mean, they, they're not quite sure what to do with the makeup of that back row. They played Courtney Laws at six at the weekend. And they got to say, Vunapola isn't really hitting his straps. So the back row makeup is very interesting for me because I like Ben Earl. I think he's a good player, dynamic, different kind of number eight. 
obviously, you know, very, very sad for Jack Willis that he suffered a horrendous injury and all our thoughts go to him because he would have, he's a quality player and he would have been a big option. Um, so that that fascinates me to see what they're going to do in, in, in the second row. Do they go low second row? You know, this is a, they've got to decide their pack. But I think, as I said with Scotland, what Scotland did is they stopped England ball carrying. And we've just talked about Wales's, you know, hugely determined defence. Um, where Wales have been exposed is when the ball's gone wide or behind them. In terms of fronting up tackles against the likes of Unapolo, both Unapolos against a Toje carrying, I think that'll be, you know, something that Gethin Jenkins will relish the chance of showing the physicality that Wales have shown in this tournament. So with England, you have to muscle up, Mark, don't you? You have to muscle in front up against England. Yeah, I, you know, my sympathy for England and their injury problems goes only for, so far. <laughs> We're talking about the biggest pool of players in world rugby. So, yeah, you know, excuse me if I don't shed too many tears. <laughs> they, uh, they've they actually got a difficult end of the tournament because, you know, it's uh, it's Wales and Cardiff. I think then they, they play France, don't they? And um, all in London. And then they finish off with the game against Ireland. So, you know, three testing games and um, all losable games as well. And uh, so it'll be interesting to see how they respond. Um, yeah, it's... Um, but yeah, you are absolutely right about Sam Underhill. A key loss um, for England. But I'd say, you know, they, Ben Ryan, and Craigie, they, they, they've got so many alternatives. So, yeah, uh, only so much sympathy. I think, Ben, it's safe to say it's going to be a full-on couple of weeks for us, isn't it? Indeed it is. Um, There's slight parallels to 2019, isn't there? Two scrappy wins in round one and two. And then uh, I seem to remember the Wales produced the goods in Cardiff against England. Um, I guess we got a long two weeks ahead of us to wait to see if that happens again. Uh, gents, it's been a pleasure, as always. And, um, yeah two weeks now until Wales or England that you can catch all the build-up towards that massive, massive triple crown match on Wales Online. 